you all so much for tuning in to the PHNX Coyotes podcast. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star review. As Nicholas said in the chat, happy sweep LA day. I'm rocking my wagon shirt because the D-backs are a wagon. I'm here with Petey, Craig, and Jacob behind the Mac. How's it going? Did you get any sleep, buddy? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. It was a busy day yesterday. Very, busy, very, very busy day Hockey's yesterday. Hockey's back. Hockey is is definitely back. Yes, it is. It's back. It's back for sure. And it's a long way to go, and we're gonna have a lot yesterday. too early of opinions today and tomorrow. Shows a lot of very the very early opinions because yeah. I have opinions yeah. on yeah. a lot of things. We, we have funny that we'll be talking about the Blackhawks first. Because I know you have opinions. I do have That's opinions. True. Anyway. That is true. Anywho, we will be previewing the Central Division. It's the last di- division we haven't previewed. Obviously, the Coyotes are in there. Really interested to hear. They're everyone. in the Central? I thought they were going to the Eastern Conference this yes. year. They're moving no. closer and closer every year. Um, but we do have Megan Angley with us from DMBR Avalanche, which we will get to in just a second because we're going to talk all things <laughs> Central Division. Uh, but before we do that, listen, I, uh, I gave out my BetMGM parlay pick yesterday Missed by one leg because no. Chicago came back and won against yeah. Pittsburgh. I was very upset. I was two for three also because yeah. of Chicago. It was all because of Connor Bedard. Oh, wait. No, it wasn't. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Ooh, we'll get into that no. in a little bit. Um, but we're going to talk all things Central Division. And if you go on BetMGM right now, you can bet on the Central Division winner. Avalanche have the best odds, plus 150, followed by Stars, plus 180, and Wild, plus 550. We'll talk about the rest a little bit later. But... You can go in right now and lock in those odds over at BetMGM. Um, we also talked about Logan Cooley for Calder at plus 750 yesterday. I know a ton of people sent me their bet slips on that, so you love to see it. Again, go on BetMGM. And if you don't want to put your own money on a crazy bet that's plus 750 odds, use a free bet that BetMGM gives you when you sign up with the bonus code PHNX because if you do that and you place your first BetMGM sportsbook wager, through the BetMGM Sports Mobile application of at least $10, you'll receive $200 instantly in additional winnings, regardless of your wager's outcome. So put $10 on something maybe you feel sure about. It doesn't matter if it wins or loses, because you'll get $200. $200. Yep. $200. Yeah, it's like broken wow. up into chunks, but you can use it on whatever you want, which I think it would be a great place to throw it on, plus $750, cool for Calder. <laughs> um, again, Check it out. Check out the show notes for full details. And now you can listen to Shane talk about the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y 467-369-NEW YORK. Call 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona. 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-800-981-0023, Puerto Rico, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. It's a bummer PD missed out yesterday because we did get an illegal pizza delivery to the office. Craig mm. and I were people second and third in line for that. Um, we, were we were waiting in anticipation. Pushed our way in. So I've had I've now had a legal pizza four times in or sorry two times in four days and I will be having it again before the Coyotes home opener on the twenty first. Everybody circle your calendars for that for a pregame meetup. Um, but we obviously love illegal pizza. We love the queso. We love the margs. We love the bowls, the tacos, whatever it is. Um, and it's just your go to spot. So you can stop by illegal pizza for happy hour three to eight p.m. every day at all twelve locations. Illegal pizza, the go to spot for burritos, buddies, and beer for twenty eight years. And without further ado, we're very excited to welcome in a member of the All City family. It's Megan Angley from DNVR Avalanche. Megan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, hey, Megan. We're really happy to see you. I think we haven't seen you since the draft in Nashville, I think maybe. That's right. Yeah. Um, but thanks, thanks again for hopping on, especially because you have a late night ahead with your 8 p.m. Uh-huh. start. Our uh, our diehards resent those 8 p.m. starts, or maybe it's just us. But <laughs> you guys get a lot of TV, unlike us, a lot of national TV. <laughs> we don't love the 8 p.m. starts here either. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Um, yeah, but we don't have that pro- that national TV problem yeah, here in Arizona, Megan, because we have one national game scheduled for the Arizona Coyotes, unlike Chicago. Do you know their first three games are national televised? No, you're kidding. Chicago, yep. Yeah. Just saying. I and Colorado, turns out they won the cup a few years ago, so they get on a lot, too. <laughs> Arizona with... Um, once. Yep, once. I heard Connor Bedard was the next Sidney Crosby. I heard. Yeah. Did okay. you hear about that last night? Yeah, did, did you hear his that. name mentioned at all in the broadcast last no. night? No. Oh, good yeah. lord. I felt, like, yeah, I felt like they could have built him up a little bit more. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, well, let's just dive right in. Um, we're previewing the Central Division with Megan, and let's start with the Blackhawks since we're on the subject. Um, you can modify that question if you want. So. No, I'm going to read word for word what Craig okay. wrote. Okay. <clears throat> How long will it take before people realize that the team around Connor Bedard is still terrible and the Blackhawks are still one of the NHL's worst teams? <laughs> Megan? Coming from a Chicago guy. <laughs> yeah, who wrote that? These <laughs> actually made me laugh out loud reading through them last night (laughs) i don't know because obviously i think hockey generally has a marketing problem bedard is great for the overall growth of the game i'm excited by bedard but the team around him isn't enough to paper over just how disjointed this chicago blackhawks team is they are paying their fourth line players four million dollars that being Corey perry and It is just not a way to construct a hockey team. I don't have a lot of faith just because I don't have faith in the goaltending and Razik. The Mm. forward group is sort of an island of misfit toys. And then the D is, compared to some of the other teams we're going to look at in the Central specifically, it's middling. It's not even really elite to serviceable. And I just don't think that this team in all three areas is constructed strong enough to make a very hard push, even with Bedard at the top. I think there are going to be a lot of highlight real goals to come from the Chicago Blackhawks because of Bedard, but there are also realities about the pace of the game and the size and physicality of players at the NHL level. And that is going to be something that requires something of an adjustment for Bedard that even a player of his caliber is going to have to get comfortable with And it's a challenge. And so I'm still excited for what Bedard is going to do in this league, but I don't think it's enough to push Chicago for a wild card spot, unfortunately. Well, I have two comments. First, with Megan on the show, clearly she has prepared. So somebody should have told me that I should have prepared because I don't. <laughs> yeah, well, Megan we, say, is, we say that every day and you don't Good Lord, I didn't know that lead, was part so. of the assignment today to prepare this much. But secondly, I look at the Chicago Blackhawks and, and she nailed it on the head. For me, this is a kid that's going to I, – I appreciate the league promoting their stars. I think it's incredibly important yes. that this sport does a better job of promoting their stars. And Bedard for right now is a star. What I thought of last night's game is he was 18 years old playing against the oldest team in the league and he looked like it. There were a few plays where he held had a little bit of ice and he made some really nice plays. But for the most part, he was defended well against. Uh, and uh, uh, other than those couple of shots and plays, I mean, he was fine. Are you telling me that that was not the best second assist in the history of the NHL? <laughs> and, and this is the, this in here becomes he, he is going to have great moments. He's going to have unbelievable goals. His career in this league is going to be phenomenal. He's going to be great. Right. One game in, he's like, but do, do we have to show every time he steps on the ice? He what? forgot his stick for warm-up. I know. <laughs> I just, so and I, I agree with you completely. We talked about this before the show started, that it is really important for the league to do a better yes. job of yes. promoting its stars. They've been criticized for that in the past. But this felt like the other end of the spectrum. We were overhyping everything. Oh, look at how he came through the door for his shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. No, I, I, and if, it, it if we're come. analyzing that game, Connor Bedard was just meh last yeah. night. He, he was over for his first 10 faceoffs. Yeah. He, he did have a lot of shot attempts, and he's going to be a dynamic player. But let's, the Chicago Blackhawks team, to Megan's point, this Blackhawks team sucks. Yes, they do. Like, they, they can't defend. Mrazek was out of his mind. Without him last night, they lose by four. He he, he is going to be inconsistent at best, if not injured. And I think Chicago is a bad hockey team with a couple of really good players. Okay. Felt okay. like a clearing. I feel, I feel like we needed to get that out of our systems. <laughs> yeah, all of us. Uh, All right. right. Well, let's move on to the next team, Um, the Nashville Predators. This is a team that I is one of the ones I don't really know what to make of in the central. Um, I guess they put on a better performance yesterday than I expected. It was again, it was only one game Um, signed Ryan O'Reilly in the offseason, which we're unsure. Is that a culture signing? Is this is it time for Nashville to rebuild? Megan, what do you make of the Predators? I think. Looking even at last night's game, I was looking at the problem that Tampa has because they don't have their starting goaltender in. Um, so Jonas Johansson's in net. It's like why I think Nashville and Tampa was the game that we saw last night because this is a team that's a step ahead of St. Louis in committing to a rebuild but still hasn't fully committed to it. Even talking to Barry Trotz at the NHL Awards this summer, he talked about the window that this team is in right now and it is one that is building towards the future but isn't quite there yet 
which makes it complicated because they still have excellent goaltending in UC Soros and Askarov coming up the ranks. They have solid D that's aging. That's the only concern with their D, but it is pretty solid. Otherwise, Roman Yossi is an incredibly talented player. And then their forward group is where I start to get very confused. They've started to disassemble it in parting ways with Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne. Mm -hmm. Philip Forsberg at the top hasn't demonstrated that he can lead this group by himself. I think that is too much pressure for him. So in comes Ryan O'Reilly, a player with that leadership experience who is also kind of hitting that aging curve in his own career. You know, you see the points production pace start to slow a little bit. It's still competitive, and I think he's going to be a welcome addition to the top of their forward group and his leadership especially. But they've started to pick apart at their depth in a way that I don't think they have replenished enough. And so their depth is where I have concerns. And I think they need to make a decision now about where this organization is going because there are still some pretty solid pieces, like I touched on with goaltending and with D, that they could have been more competitive now, but they clearly, in my opinion, haven't invested in that. The other thing is growing pains with a new coach that also plays a very different fast-paced style of hockey that's going to require a little bit of adjustment with this group that is made up of some new faces, I'm just not sure this is going to be a great year for the National Predators either. I think it's going to be better than a Chicago Blackhawks, for example, but I think they need to more fully commit to rebuilding this team. Yeah. I d what, what we don't know by not covering these teams closely is what constraints the GM or management is under. Do, what does what ownership set? Are they, do they want to try and field a team that's somewhat competitive in a tough market, right? This is not, you know, Toronto where they're going to turn out where whatever you put on the ice, uh, even if they're, you know, getting swept by the Coyotes every season, <laughs> which seems to happen. So I don't know what those constraints are, but I, I share Megan's thoughts. I'm, I'm kind of confused as to what the Nashville Predators are trying to do. If you're, if you're going to cut bait with some of these forwards, okay, does that mean you're going into, but then you sign Ryan O'Reilly for four years, for four years. And I know Forsberg's under contract for a very long time, but you didn't do enough to in my mind, even become a playoff team. So unless you just want Ryan O'Reilly around your younger guys to, you know, have him rub off on them, I can't figure out where this team is going and what they're doing. Because like you said, they have not committed to the rebuild. And that's that's really what the Nashville Predators need to do now because this team's uh, a universe away from competing for a cup. I just have one comment. The, the, Megan talked about the coaching change and the philosophy change. Under Barry Trotz as a coach, and he did it in Washington, there was an offensive-styled team that depended on their defending. They bring in Andrew Burnett with Trotz in charge of the GM to be more offensive, play run and gun, get more speed into the game. I just don't think they're built like the Florida Panthers were with the legs up front to be able to play that speed mm -hmm. game. And I thought that was incredibly evident last night early on in that game against Tampa. They, had, they couldn't get through the neutral at all. So I, I'm not sure they're quite ready for that. And when you culture shift so much from defending to offense, that's a process. And this could take, this is going to take time. I, I I didn't love what I saw. They're not in that game if Vasilevsky's playing. I, I think right. the goaltending change made that game much closer than it actually was. Uh, I think this Nashville team is another team that's in trouble. All right. Well, we can move on to another team that I feel very uncertain about its identity <laughs> um, with some surprising signings this week. The Common Winnipeg in this division is yeah, it? the Winnipeg Jets, um, who signed two 30 year olds, Shifley and uh, Heliobuck, to identical seven year extensions. There's been I just don't know. Megan, what, what do you what Megan, do you if think? you had been the GM? Would would you have made this move <laughs> Two 30 year olds on a playoff bubble team? I. I probably would have been with Hellebuck. I probably would have, to be honest with you. Yeah. He is such a goaltender that I'm willing to live with how this is going to age at the end of its contract. But with Shifley, because I would personally, and I'm not on the inside, I would personally have concerns about a commitment level because there were already whispers of that being a thing. And so now with money, it almost, I worry that it loses incentive for a player like Shifley, who was already, there were concerns surrounding his commitment to Winnipeg moving forward, that I don't know that money band-aids over that problem of being bought in and fully committed to this group. So Hellebuck, I'd probably throw that money towards. Shifley, I'm not so certain, especially that term. The term is what concerns me because yeah. as Leah mentioned, two 30-year-old players, it's not going to age really well for either of them. So to commit to that kind of term for both players is really interesting. And 
in a way, I think it's better for the overall of Winnipeg to have this certainty going into the year because I think if they hadn't solidified this, it would be looming over their heads and serve as a distraction for this mm -hmm. Jets group. And this is already an existing concern for the Jets is what is the culture inside that locker room? And so I think they need to provide as much clarity to their group as possible. So I kind of understand it. But the term is a little bananas because there's still parts of this roster that I don't think are competitive enough to make a, a great push. Like, I think they make the push that they did last year because of the strong performance of Hellebuck. And so I understand investing in that, but I think there are more parts in this roster that they still do need to invest in. I think both the D group and the forward group are pretty good, but they're not elite enough to contend. And that's where I think that they're going to need to put some of that money towards that's now going to be tied up in two of these really big contracts. And that's where I'm just not sure what it is about the Winnipeg Jets as they're currently constructed that's going to separate them from the Dallases and the Colorados of the world. PD, you made a point off air that I think bears repeating about Winnipeg in particular, that market. That you have to overpay to get players to play there, yeah. and you have to give them a longer term than you want to give them to get them to play there. Look, it, this is a difficult place to acquire free agents to get them to sign there. These are two guys. I, I was really surprised that they got both of these contracts lined up. It is huge for this team to have those two players, period. And I know it's for tomorrow, not for five years from now. Um, Rick Bonus, I believe in him, by the way, coached more games than any other coach in the history of the game. Did you see that the other day? Between head and assistant coach behind ah, the benches, okay. he is cool. first all time, and Newell Brown is wow. fifth. Any anyway, a, a side note. So I think that's it. I, I like that the the addition of Iafalo and Villar Villardi from from LA. There are some good Nemestikov. They're bringing some good secondary pieces. If things click for this team and they all buy in with the Wheelerless Jets. This could be a really good team. If it doesn't click, this could be a freaking disaster in Winnipeg. In Winnipeg, so I, I, it's going to be a really good season or really, really bad. Here's a, with Hellebuck, I get it. I, I think goalies' timelines are longer anyway. Uh, I think Shifley is going to decline more rapidly sooner. So I guess I don't understand what the rush was to get this done now. I, you could say Megan mentioned it might hang over the team, and maybe it was. Maybe it was going to be a distraction. But I, I might have waited to see how they came out of the gates to see if these changes that you made to the roster were going to produce what you hoped they would. Because if they didn't, What's you the might point? think about trading Mark yeah, Scheifele, trading. see what you get for him at yep. the deadline, and then do what you need to do toward the future. Yeah, and I think that's, again, where all these long-term contracts get you stuck is now you're locked in. Yep. And, and I, I get fearful for that. But again, Winnipeg's They've got to do it right now. Like I, their window closed two years ago. Yeah. And, and so it's that's already the past thing them. for teams to admit, right? Yes. It's, it's over, but... Yeah, they can't admit it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, another team that <laughs> I swear to God, this division is literally like Colorado, Dallas, and then everybody else, and then Chicago at the very bottom. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about St. Louis, uh, Colorado Avalanche's favorite team, the St. Louis Blues. Can the Blues uh, rally for one more run, or is this kind of the end and the big or the beginning of a teardown era? We did division previews, and I'll be transparent. I had St. Louis at the bottom of the Central. I'm Ooh. just not convinced of the St. Louis team. I think Kyrie and Thomas got paid, and then they didn't quite live up to the contract expectations last year. They need to do that going into this year. But even having those at the top of the lineup, I, I think there are still, like, I, I still like some of the depth pieces. I like Brandon Saad. I would have liked to see him in Colorado for longer. But... I think Kevin Hayes is a good addition, but these are kind of secondary pieces that are being added for more depth roles that I don't I don't believe in the guys at the top. I don't yeah. trust the goaltending. I don't trust Jordan Bennington. I think that he is temperamental as a goaltender and doesn't have <laughs> what the makes right you say that mindset <laughs> to I don't even want to say lead a team, but I think it's important for a goaltender to have a healthy mindset. And I just don't think he processes the lows of the game very well alongside the highs mm. and their d is aging that's the part like it's a it's another one that i think would be yeah. perfectly sound but it's just not going to age very well and so then i think it's the oldest decor in the league megan it, it actually might be yeah looking at totality then of this st louis group especially with goaltending which is such an important part of a team 
and not having any trust there. It's different from Razik and inconsistency. This is, it could actually have a negative impact on the rest of the group if he sours a locker room with attitudinal issues. And so because of that concern, and I'm obviously biased, I'm coming from a Colorado perspective where I've seen how temperamental Bennington can be, I just don't think that the Kairos and the Thomases of the world are enough to lead this group because they're missing the leadership of Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko was a huge, like, top talent in their forward group that they're mm -hmm. going to definitely miss. I think this team fires their coach before Christmas. Yeah, I think this is going to be, uh, and uh, I think it's a, in, in in the Central Division, you need to have exceptionally skilled high-end players to win in this division. You've seen it with the Dallas Stars, the Colorado Avalanche. You're seeing it. Even give Shifley, he, he's a he's a top-end player. Um, Minnesota's got Kaprizov. You need that to win in this division. St. Louis has none of that. Their defense, on paper, you look at those 60 that are, are going to compete. They're 29, 30, and 31 years old. That's the age of their decor. Good names. It's like the opposite of the Coyotes. Yeah, it's defense. really good names and really experienced defensemen. <laughs> But this whole league now has shifted to be about speed and skill. And I don't know if St. Louis can do that. I wouldn't put all of my uh, chickens and eggs in the Bennington basket because I think he's he can't play calm enough to be consistent. I, I think they're in trouble. And, and I, I think that this is a franchise that needs to to get a new voice behind the bench. And Craig Berube, who I, I, I like, I believe he's the he's a Rick Tockett clone behind the bench. And I, I believe that that's this will be his last season in St. Louis. All right. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned skilled players and the need for that. And I'm going to steal this next question from it. you just because it allows me to throw some shade at Minnesota. <laughs> um, we've heard for so long that, oh, wait until the wild are out from the Ryan Suter, Zach Parise purgatory that they've been in for mm -hmm. so long. It's two more years before the, the, the cap impact goes way down. I'm not sure it's going to matter. Matt Zuccarello is 36 years old. And aside from Kirill Kaprizov and maybe Matthew Boldy, who I like as a nice young player, I don't see enough here in Minnesota to convince me that, oh, when they get out of this purgatory, they're going to be great. They're going to sign all these guys. First of all, you don't go into free agency and sign those guys. You don't find those guys usually for, for free agency. You just fill in the cracks. I don't think they have enough core pieces yet in place, even when they emerge, to be anything more than they are right now. They're Yeah, they're a nice team. They can be exciting. Kaprizov's fun to watch. And then they go out in the first round of the playoffs. So I would love your thoughts now that I've gone <laughs> that, off on that. Now that Craig's Minnesota given shade. his, what are your thoughts on Minnesota? I have such a love-hate relationship with Minnesota because I actually have liked a lot about Minnesota for a couple years, but their fan base is always very angsty towards me. But I have a more belief in Minnesota kind of addressing what you're talking about, being anchored to some of the stud cap, it's not really good. It doesn't allow them to be as competitive as they could be in some of Kaprizov's best years, for example. Yep. But looking at a player like Kaprizov and even Erickson X, uh, Ek, both 26 years old, I believe, in two years' time, I think that they could still be in a point in their career where they are still very competitive and, and good talent in the league. Coming up the ranks, players like Matt Boldy, maybe even Marco Rossi, lesser than a Matt Boldy, are going to be young enough and hopefully now more experienced at the pro level that they can contribute in a meaningful way. Um, their D is another that I think is one of the best in the league, but is on the older side with someone like Brock Faber coming up the ranks. I like that. And I think one of the best things that made Minnesota separate from the St. Louis and the Chicago's of the world in my division preview rankings is Gustafson. I think that investing in a young goaltender with upside is another thing that helps them to come out of this dead cap era on the better side of things. Is it enough to make a really competitive push at the end of it all? I'm not really sure. It's going to really depend on how Kaprizov ages and how they build around Kaprizov because he is going to need talent to support him when the Zuccarellas of the world are just a little bit too old to hang with the Kaprizovs. And so as the cap goes up, hopefully that is an area of the roster that they can invest a little bit more money in because I think they have some young players coming up the ranks to help them stay competitive on the other side of this. 
Well, unlike Megan, who has a love-hate, I have a love-love mm. relationship with the state of Minnesota. Not necessarily the team, but absolutely the state. A couple things here. I think the, the fear is, will Kaprizov be as effective when these contracts expire? Uh, Megan brought up a few names that I think Boldy is going to be a player. Yeah. Marco Rossi is yet to be seen, but I think he's of that same ilk. And on the back end, that Brock Faber kid, by the way, he's from Minnesota, so he's a hometown state kid. Where do you play, play college? University of Minnesota oh, yeah, Golden right. Gophers. <laughs> so he's a Minnesota native, and this kid's going to be a... I tell you what, he's impressive. Like, he's impressive. And in so much so that I don't think that they're going to miss Matt Dumba on the back end with Brock Faber taking over that role as, as a young player. Their defense is very good. And Spurgeon's hurt to start the season, which is going to be difficult it's for them to overcome. Years old. He's he, Agreed. So yep. he will he be there and relevant when this mm-hmm. gets by? I don't know. Jonas Brodin is still one of the better defenders that gets underrated. Um, yeah, this, is, this team's a tweener. It's a tweener right now. And will they be a tweener again in the next few years? Probably. All right. Um, I mentioned earlier that I feel like this division is Dallas, Colorado and everybody else. And before we you know, dive a little deeper into Colorado with you, Megan, I want your thoughts on the Dallas Stars. This is, I think, the biggest competition for Colorado, like beyond central division competition. I think this is some of the biggest competition in the West. And it's because in all three areas, they are a very well constructed team. Joe Pavelski is a magic trick that is running out of magic, but it's still there for another season. Like their window (laughs) right now, and they just seize that right now because they added some depth. Like Matt Duchesne potentially being a third line player is actually one of the best case scenarios for Matt Duchesne. I think that it was too much pressure to be the guy in Nashville that this actually alleviates some of that pressure and I think makes the middle of their lineup so good. I really am a Jason Robertson believer too. I know in the playoffs, it's like a little bit unknown how he can contribute. I think he has a lot more to give because in the regular season, I've seen how elite of a player he is. Similarly, Jake Ottinger, he is among one of the best up and coming goaltenders in my opinion as well. And I think some of Dallas's struggles last year in the playoffs was him being a younger netminder. I think that getting just a few more reps and games under his belt in the playoffs helps him to better process the game mentally and so i have more confidence in him as a goaltender moving forward and then i will say i don't know that players like jamie ben repeat the success of last season for example but i still think he is going to be an annoying player to play opposite of he's still going to be in the top of their lineup and i really like merrill haskinen on the back end like i think that it's also a pretty well constructed d with him at the top that he's also a really talented defenseman. This is on paper such a well-constructed team with good depth too. Their third, fourth line is going to be difficult to compete against. And this is an area like when I'm imagining the Colorado-Dallas matchup that they look really competitive side by side on paper in this way. I really like Dallas. <laughs> we know. But 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 here's a couple of keys. Megan hit on it. Ottinger, if Ottinger plays like Ottinger did from games one through 82 into the playoffs, that team's in the Stanley Cup finals instead of Vegas. I really believe that. He was below average. Mm. Um, their high-end talent can be extremely good, and their back end is solid. I, I, Miro Heiskin and I have him as my surprise Norris pick. He was a point-of-game guy. He was plus 12 last year. This Dallas team is going to be very good. They're the only team that's going to make Colorado look human, I think, during the regular season. So I'm excited to see the Dallas-Colorado 82-game uh, season play out. For sure. Um, Well, let's dive into Colorado. And Megan, this team went from winning the Stanley Cup to getting eliminated in round one. Um, What's the feeling in Denver this year? Was last year a fluke because there were so many injuries or is there concern? What's kind of the vibe in Colorado right now? It's a really good vibe. I think that there is a lot of honesty and self-awareness among the players about what happened last year. I think there's an acknowledgement that the amount of injuries stacked up in such a way that they could no longer contend with because there is an acceptance that last year's group just didn't have it. It wasn't just the injuries. It was things like not having Valnatushkin in the playoffs and Andrew Cogliano fracturing his neck. It just was every which direction they were hit with something that just sort of made them face the reality that they just didn't have it last year. So going into this year, there is definitely a hunger to remind the league that they're still among the best. And I think that's a healthy mindset because there's a lot of core players like Nathan McKinnon and Mika Rantanen who 
even in the adversity of last year, have career years. And they're looking to build upon that. And they're also looking at the moves that the front office made to make this group a little better constructed. I think they're a little more solid and sturdy because they've replenished a little bit of the depth. They've become a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger to play against. There's belief that Georgiev is going to have another good year. I think that his first year as a starter, he laid a really solid foundation that the organization has faith in. So there's faith in the goaltending. The decor with at least one more year of Taves and Makar at the top of it is really hard to dispute. And then going back to the top of that lineup with the Nathan McKinnons, Mika Rantanens, Valna Chushkin has returned. He is committed to playing this team. He has talked with them. They've turned this page and he's going to be in their top six. Arturi Lekkanen, top six. Everything else then, it's really hard because there are additional pieces that I'm sure we're going to talk about that have made this team better than they were last year. Are they as good as the 2022 Cup team? It's really hard to compete with Nazem Kadri as your second line center. Can Ryan Johansson be one for one Nazem Kadri? Probably not, but they've replenished in other ways that I think make them very competitive. And certainly looking at where they were training camp last year, there is so much more clarity about who's going to play what role. And they've invested in the bottom of their lineup, in their third line. They've put a lot of money and term into that third line that the vibes are good basically around the team. The new additions are seemingly a great cultural fit. They're bought in and were immediately kind of baptized into the culture and high standard that is set in Colorado because it can be a bit of a culture shock, especially players coming from different organizations. But in talking to the new additions, everybody seems pretty on board with what the Avs are trying to accomplish and eager to get there with them. Awesome. All right, let's do some housekeeping here on injuries. Um, obviously, this one is... I wonder about the impact of this one and maybe you've taken the temperature of the team with Gabe Landeskog scheduled to miss the entire season with a tough situation. Andrew Cogliano, will he be ready for the opener? And then Pavel, Pavel Francouz, who we're going to talk about in depth here because there was a, a move that relates to the Coyotes. Relates to the Coyotes. So can you can you give us an update on those three guys? Yes. So Gabriel Landeskog, I know that there's been sort of this whisper of the possibility of him returning in playoffs, and I can't speak to that because I think that's only something we'll know later into the season, just based on the rehab timeline that he is following. Because he is following that timeline to a T, everything has been trending in a positive direction, so much so Bednar isn't going to name another captain and cited that as the reason why. Mm. That all of the reports about Landeskog's rehab have been good. It's very preliminary though, just issuing some caution there, that I'm not going to get carried away and suggest he returns in the playoff. But it's positive enough that they're not going to name a new captain. And I think it's something of a blessing in disguise for the group to have this clarity that Gabriel Landeskog will not be available in the regular season. They know this. There's not going to be then this will they, won't they when he gets on the ice and skates with mm. the group the way that there was last year. It was a little bit of a distraction. So he's going to do what he needs to do. He might be away from the team then to focus on his rehab for parts of this season um, in a way that the team is very aware of. And similarly, there are voices in the room that have stepped up sort of when he isn't around the team, like Miko Rantanen, for example, that I think they are in a good place with their leadership. They're in a good place with having cautious optimism around Landeskog that Come spring, we should have more clarity on what that actually looks like because the nature of rehabbing this injury specifically, or I should say like rehabbing this procedure to address this injury is very unknown for professional athletes. That's why it's a little harder to put a firm timeline on it. Okay. Uh, Andrew Cogliano, yeah. he is an interesting one because he is healthy. He is fully healed from the neck fracture in the Seattle, Colorado playoff series of last year. And right now, his focus has been making sure the muscles around his neck feel strong and his mental confidence because he has been skating full go. He's shed the red contact, no uh, red, no contact jersey since and has been practicing as a regular participant. Right now, I think it mostly comes down to confidence for Andrew Cogliano. So if he doesn't appear in tonight's home opener or not home opener, opener with L.A., I wouldn't be worried because he is by all accounts healthy. It is just... There's something very traumatic about the nature of the injury he sustained and returning to game play. And the way that Andrew Cagliano likes to play is very fast and very physical. 
he's going to want to feel very confident then before he gives the green light to get back into game action. So I think it's just a matter of time, no, co or no concern around Cogliano. Pavel Francouz is the one in those three that I have the most concern around. And it's because he had a procedure and it sounds like there are more, like there's more than one injury that is plaguing him at the moment. And I reported abductor, but I've recently seen adductor, very similar part of the body. Either way, for a goaltender that's had recurring issues in this realm, it's a little bit concerning at his age, I believe 32, like what the future then holds for Pavel Francouz. Because what we do know is that he won't mm. be available to start this season. He's on long-term injured reserve before we even play our first game. And so that isn't very optimistic about his prognosis. And I'm just not sure then when we could expect to see Pavel Francouz back, if that's even a fair expectation at this point. So in response to that injury, um, the Colorado Avalanche went and claimed Ivan Prozvatov off waiver, someone we're very familiar with here. I know PD was texting you um, on the day of. So I'm just curious like if what your opinion is. Obviously, you've been you know asking us, for, I guess, for our scouting report, report on Prozvatov, but what are your thoughts on, on that waiver claim? It still was a little bit of a head-scratcher because Eustace Sandinen had a great camp. He's 23 years old, I believe, and was the starting goaltender in the Colorado Eagles for the American League last year. It was his first full pro season and his first full, um, actually, no, it would have been his second full season. And so it was his second then on North American ice. He was pretty well acclimated is where I'm going with this. It was a very good, solid body of work for him to establish last year. He got a lot more comfortable, a lot more confident, but still a very young goaltender had a great camp. So I believe in the enthusiasm around Anunin. Like Bednar has said that he feels comfortable for Anunin to back up Georgiev right now. And I do believe that's true. But I think there's concern then at who's three and four if something were to happen to Georgiev and Anunin there's a little bit of a question mark there. As it stands, they got a goaltender in the offseason named Arvid Holm from the Winnipeg organization, a young goaltender that I think had a challenging camp that didn't quite instill confidence in the organization that he could be a solid three if they needed. And then Trent Miner has been spending a lot of time in the East Coast League with the Utah Grizzlies for a few seasons now, has honestly done good work, but I just don't think they're comfortable looking to Trent Miner as three or four. Knowing that then, I think, is what I look to as the explanation for Prozvatov. But there's still concern because he's another young goaltender that hasn't quite established himself at the American League level yet, very similar to Eustace Anunin. And Anunin's waiver exempt, so he has the flexibility of moving up and down. That's where it gets confusing for Prozvatov, is right now the Evs would not have that flexibility with him unless they take a very big risk putting him back on waivers. And... That's where I'm a little more confused on the situation um, because I don't think they're going to carry him for the entire, entirety of the season as a number two. That's yeah. genuinely my belief that they wouldn't have that confidence. This feels to me like, one, UC Parkla, their goaltending coach, is a tough customer. He is very firm but effective in his teachings. I wonder if he saw something in Prosvitov that he felt he could mold. And maybe this is something of a trial for Prozvatov. In this month's time, they're going to evaluate what kind of goaltender they have. He's going to work very closely with Parkla. And there's also something to be said for the talent that plays in front of Ad's mm -hmm. goaltending any given night is pretty strong. And so if they have a lot of belief in their team defense that it could complement their goaltender, maybe there is some upside that they really believe in a young goaltender who's big, athletic, and they have also this confidence in UC Parkla, their goaltending coach, who they've just extended because they believe in him so much. He's had success with starters like Kemper and Georgiev. Can he have some level of success then with a young goaltender who still has a little bit to prove at the pro level? Maybe they don't care either. Like if they if we have to put him back on waivers, hey, it didn't cost us anything. If if we're ready, if if Francois is ready to come back, or they want to go in a different direction, maybe they don't care. I I do agree with you. I think there's a significant risk if they put him on waivers. I think there's a good chance the Coyotes claim him back. Um, 
but it is it's also interesting. Colorado was way low on the the pecking order in terms of waiver claims. What twenty sixth or twenty seventh? I can't remember. So a lot of teams did pass on that had the opportunity. It's going to be a fascinating situation to watch play out. I wanted to ask you a follow up on this with Frensos and Landeskog both on LTIR now. Are they going to use that? Are they going to use LTIR to maybe make another move? I I don't think so for right now. I think they are trying to be very mindful, one, of the number of contracts that they have, um, which is why even with the Caleb Jones trade, it is in such a way that it's a contract in, contract out versus claiming him on waivers and risking waivers with him. I think that's all very calculated from the ass part because I think they're anticipating carrying more than their usual 21 for parts of this season, like they're already bringing three goaltenders on the road, and that is not usually how the apps operate. I think they would like to have 70 instead of the six that they have now. And so they're going to probably be carrying maybe 22, I don't know if I'll say 23, throughout the season that I think they're going to be stretching it then with the cap um, at that point. And I think a lot of this is very temporary to get them closer to the trade deadline to fill in holes as needed then, but I don't necessarily anticipate anything coming before that because I think Caleb Jones was the thing before that. Like I think Prozvitov and Jones were the things that they were doing and now it's just a matter of getting them to the trade deadline. They're going to get Kovalenko from overseas also added to their forward group at that point that I think they are just doing some like until springtime roster adjustments to get them to that point. Here's one of the concerns I have with the Colorado Avalanche and we talk about uh, McKinnon, you talk about McCarr. This team is incredibly top-heavy, and when they won a Stanley Cup, it's because they had exceptional secondary scoring in that second layer. When you look at last year's stats, they didn't have that middle core. Um, do you think the players they had, they acquired can help fill that middle core? And if not, can McCarr and McKinnon do this all on their own? That's an interesting question because I do have a lot of faith in the roster additions from this offseason. I think it's why they spent a lot of money on their third line, the kind of money that made me raise my eyebrows and question whether or not it was worth it. But there's a lot of belief in Ross Colton being someone who can add a lot of production to the bottom of the lineup that was definitely lacking last year. And there were players playing in their middle six that were meant to be solidly third or fourth line players that were being elevated to second line roles that they shouldn't have been. And they were made better by the top talent around them. But now it feels like everyone is playing their assigned role more appropriately. I think Tatar sent this over the edge in my eyes in terms of where that production is going to be made up for. Because now they have a third line potentially made up of Miles Wood, Ross Colton, Tomas Tatar. I think that is going to contribute production that they did not have last year. And then that fourth line, I'm not looking to them to be offensive contributors necessarily, but the part of the lineup that's especially difficult to play against alongside the Miles Woods of the world, who are also going to be pretty physically punishing. And so the the production then, Jonathan Druin, I think that's especially why he was brought in on the type of contract that he was too. It's extremely affordable if they need to then put him on a third or fourth line role if things aren't panning out, it's of no loss to the Colorado Avalanche in the amount of money that they're putting towards him. But the upside, if things do pan out, they have him right now penciled on a line with Mika Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon. And the creativity and the playmaking that's been teased at least through preseason is very promising through Juan. There is a lot of commitment to, I do have faith that he is going to be another big contributor and as I alluded to earlier in the show, Ryan Johansson is not a Nazem Kadri replacement. But what he's been able to show us in the preseason has been a pretty solid power play player that is going to make, like, now both units are so much more effective than they were last year, where it was kind of just the Avs PP1 was the power play. And then PP2 was this island of misfit toys. Now it is really <laughs> solidly made up of great players. You have Ross Cole and you have Tomas Tatar on that second power play unit. Val Nachushkin's on a second power play unit right now. They're going to be a little more potent than outside of their five on five. But included in it, Duran, Johansson, I think, have a little bit to prove coming from where they're coming from. And Ross Colton, I think because of the term in his contract, is looking at ascending to a second line center role if he can do things really well this year. So 
Makar had been rehabbing a lingering lower body thing that had been bothering him. It's really important that they allow Kale Makar to be one, just Kale Makar. Like, I think he had to step away from the Kale Makar that has those flashes in the offensive zone because he does have terrific vision because he was an all situations player and he's still going to continue to be, but he was leaned on in such a way that he led the league in ice time that I think wore on his body needlessly. If they could distribute this workload now a little more evenly with a player like Bo Byram in the decor, who also has a lot to contribute offensively and has just not been healthy enough to string together an 82 game season, he can help alleviate the workload from Kale McCarr because I don't know that it's unrealistic that Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr and Nico Rantanen repeat the years that they have. I just don't think that they should have to. I think there are enough players in this supporting cast that will also be able to help in a big way that should alleviate some of what was asked of them last year. To me, Ryan Johansson is so key to the offseason moves. I, I like their offseason moves. I'm I'm actually a big Miles Wood fan and Ross Colton fan. I, I think those are really good additions to the team. If Ryan Johansson can give them something close to what he was, this is a very dangerous team. This is a team that is absolutely capable of pushing for the cup again. For sure. Um, well, Megan, before we let you go, we didn't ask you about Arizona because we're going to do our full Coyote season preview on tomorrow's show. But before you leave, I just want to know from you, because I'm curious where you have Arizona, really quick, your central division ranking right now. This might have been a hot take, but I had him at fifth. Okay. And I, I, I did. And it's not just to impress you guys. I have a lot <laughs> it of work. <laughs> I think the depth additions of Zucker and Kerfoot were excellent, and I have a lot of belief in the youth coming up the ranks. And Logan Cooley, I think Matthias, Matthias Michelli is due for another good year. And I also think their goaltender, I think Vimalka is a pretty solid goaltender. Um, I, I just think that they have some, and then at the top of the lineup, Keller Schmaltz, I just have a lot of faith in how this team is constructed. Um, to take a big step forward this year, like I'm not getting carried away with it, but I, I really do think that they're they're constructed pretty solidly and i'm i'm excited for arizona awesome well megan we appreciate you so yeah, much for this stuff. this Thank is you. really really great and i'm looking forward to following along with your coverage and the dnvr avalanche coverage this season so it should be a good one thanks guys thanks megan thanks megan Awesome. Well, thank you again to Megan Angley from DNBR. She's very knowledgeable. Yes, very. Um, and if you don't follow her reporting, she's at the rink pretty much every day. Um, you know, the other thing she does, she really follows their, their American League yeah. club and yeah, the Colorado yeah. Screaming Eagles. I call them Screaming Eagles. I don't think that's the real just, name, but I like to call them that. No, it's more just, fun. They should change it to that. Yeah, they should. They really should. I'll, I'll make a call. Um, well, we'll give our predictions for the season in just a moment. Um, but before we do, you know, it's it's pretty much fall everywhere else here. It's still, you know, 90 to 100 every single day. Um, and I'm still rocking my Shady Rays. Yep. 365. That's how it goes <laughs> here in Arizona. So if you haven't gotten your hands on some Shady Rays yet at this point, I mean, we're giving you a great deal. They're stylish. They're affordable. They're durable. I like I want to emphasize how durable mm. they are. Um, you can check out Shady Rays online right now and exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. You can go to ShadyRays.com and use code PHNX for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Really excited. We have a new partner. Um, and this is, you know, we're, we're, there's been a lot of conversation about TV and yep. TV rights and where to watch games. And if you're looking to watch the Phoenix Suns games, you can do that with Arizona's Family Sports. Um, I think this is such a cool thing that Arizona's Family has done, created an, a sports channel, and it's over the air. So if you're buying your antenna for to watch Coyotes games, you can also watch all Suns games um, with Arizona's Family Sports as well um so wherever you live in arizona you can visit um, azfamily.com and click suns games for listing information for your area it's a great resource to help you find your phoenix suns games on arizona family sports i know last night's preseason game was on there um, and then if you have if you have cox you know it's channel three az family three so, so it's really cool that they're that they're doing this and we're excited to partner with 
Arizona Family Sports. Yeah, they're so. they're they're my they're my fr- friends on Arizona Family. I have coffee with them every morning. They don't know that, but but Scotty uh, Passmore, April Warnicky, like I wake up with them every single day. So, <laughs> good morning, Arizona. See, so, yeah, I'm ready. They just don't have me on. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's give our predictions for the Central Division. Who <sighs> wants boy. to start? Petey. I, why, why do I got to start? Because you don't read the rundowns. That's so. true. Well, I, I, I'm going to shock the world. Um, Colorado Avalanche, they can't keep anybody healthy. McCars played over 60 games once in his career. I think Landis going missing is a big piece. I don't like their goaltending. Dallas Stars win the division. Colorado is second because there is nobody else. Minnesota <laughs> is third again. Winnipeg is going to tease them for third. Winnipeg actually might get third. I like their secondary pieces, adding Alafala, which I already talked about, um, and Kyle Connor. Uh, I like Winnipeg, so it's Winnipeg Dallas, Sports Colorado, Park. Minnesota, Winnipeg, Arizona coming in Ooh. at fifth <laughs> ahead of Nashville, St. Louis, Chicago. Wow. I got Chicago in last in the central again, okay. but Arizona in fifth. And you know what? Playoffs? Maybe. The bear, the Playoffs? bear, the bear, whew, the bear might push this over the edge because I think coaching factor. matters. How about that? Coaching matter. matters. We'll talk more about realistic expectations for the Coyotes on tomorrow's show as well. Um, okay, I so after talking to Megan, I, like I kind of came into this and I was like Colorado one, Dallas two. I'm kind of more sold on Dallas one, but I'm gonna stick with my gut um, and I'm gonna go Colorado one, Dallas two, just to be a little bit different from you, PD. You're probably that that she talked about that middle core that they've got now. Their secondary scoring is so much better than it was a year yeah. ago. Colorado, if everybody plays and they can stay healthy, this team is very good. Yeah, so I'm Colorado one, Dallas two. I'm Minnesota three because. Yeah, I, th- that's just where they belong. <laughs> Third. This is where I have no clue where to go because I think before this week, I don't know if I would have put Winnipeg even this high. Right. But with like signing those guys, you kind of feel like maybe things are settled. Some big issues were locker room issues, distractions. Maybe the distractions are gone with the signings, with Blake Wheeler gone. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to ride with you. I'm going to put... Winnipeg here fourth. I guess it's just now I have to decide where I believe in the Arizona Coyotes. Um, Joel. Joel thinks my his screen is on (laughs) fire for my hot take. I'm (laughs) gonna put I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Arizona there. I hate the blues. Blues. (laughs) Oh wait, but I forgot about Nashville. Shoot. Okay, actually, sorry. I'm gonna go Nashville five, Arizona six, St. Louis seven, Chicago eight. I don't feel confident in that. <laughs> that's my little disclaimer, but that's what I got. All right. Craig? The Dallas Stars have won the division one time in the last 17 years. They're not a great regular season team. The Colorado Avalanche will win this division. The, the, the off-season history additions will, will make the difference. I, I really believe in this Colorado Avalanche team. Obviously, injuries impact everything if they can't stay healthy. And that has been an issue. Petey's right with the Avs, but... They can stay healthy. I think they win the division. We'll see what happens in the playoffs because I really like the way the Dallas Stars are constructed for the playoffs. Anyway, I've got Dallas second in this division. I've got Minnesota third because who the hell else is going to finish third in this division because it's just not very good past those top two teams. I've got the Winnipeg Jets fourth. <clears throat> I got the St. Louis, Louis Blues in fifth place okay, still in this division. The Arizona Coyotes come in sixth place in this division. The Nashville Predators are seventh. I don't like Nashville at all, and I don't know what the hell they're doing. And yes, the Chicago Blackhawks are still a god awful wow. team, and they will finish last in this. Do you know division. they're in first place right now? In the <laughs> Did you see CHGO Blackhawks Hype up, baby. this morning? Uh, Hype up. It was like a screenshot of the division standings. It's like, well, how the turntables? It's like, okay, you're the only <laughs> one that's played a game in this division. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I'll take that bet. I'll take that. I'll take that. They are definitely not finishing first in in the in, oh, in the central boy. division. Well, I, I like that we all were kind of a little bit different. This is this division is just so befuddling. To, to Craig's to me. point, if there's two really good teams and then a bunch of not so good teams, and that that's not I mean, knocking teams. Minnesota's okay. Yeah, Minnesota's okay. Minnesota's but then, okay. Then but then like, it's it, it, one of those teams. Honestly, any one of those teams could go. Oh my gosh, what a great year Arizona had, or oh Winnipeg really brought it. Mm-hmm. But none of them are, are supposed to. It's just you could throw all that last five teams in a bag, shake it up, and throw it out, and you'll yeah, be fair. just with, as close with as the us. exception of the Blackhawks. I, I they're the one that'll fall out of the bag. But they're one and zero. They're one and zero. There'll be a hole in the Blackhawks. But Darby got an assist in his first game. It was outstanding. Again, it was the best second assist in the history of the NHL. So. 
I want to I want to make <laughs> yes. that point. Oh boy. Okay. okay, I'll read some of uh the chat's predictions. Charles has Dallas, Colorado, Minnesota, Winnipeg, Arizona, Nashville, Chicago, St. Louis. A lot of people agreeing with Charles. Um Paul has wow. Avalanche, Stars, Wild, Jets, barely. Coyotes, Predators, Blues and Blackhawks. Brian has Winnipeg and Minnesota. Oh, wait. Min- Winnipeg and Minnesota won't stay healthy. Coyotes with a little luck finish third. Wow. Hot take for Brian. Brian. Hot take. Oh, Woo. Fuego, Brian. Automatic. Um, Brady Earth. said, Av stars, wild, Yotes. Wow. Fourth. Fourth. Um, sorry, Yotes, wild. Uh, Jets, Preds, Blues, Hawks. Dale has Dallas, Colorado, Minnesota, Arizona, Winnipeg, Nashville, St. Louis, Chicago. Ogie says Dallas to win the cup. Wow. Dallas, Colorado, Minnesota, Winnipeg, Coyotes, Nashville, Chicago, St. Louis. A lot last. of hate for the Blues. Yeah, yeah a, lot a lot of hate, hate but you got them. Yeah, well, so we'll see. Um, yeah. says, because if you're right, Craig, we'll we'll bring it up again. If you're wrong, we just won't. We won't. Stars, yeah. Colorado, That's Minnesota, fair. Yotes, fourth. I've seen a couple of Yotes fourth here. Yotes Winnipeg, fourth. Nashville, St. Louis, Chicago, Michael, Dallas, Colorado, Minnesota, Winnipeg, Arizona, Nashville, St. Louis, Chicago. Um, yeah, and Karen says, I can't believe the number of prognosticators that have the Hawks finishing ahead of Arizona. On national. Well, we'll talk more about that tomorrow. It's not yeah. happening. Yeah, we'll talk about national expectations tomorrow. We'll talk about realistic expectations for the Coyotes tomorrow. Or not. I think, well, I think it's, this is a really interesting year. I mean, the fact that even Megan has them fifth, the fact that we've seen a number of different point proje- projections on a certain scale. We've seen a couple of NHL.com writers have the Coyotes as their surprise wildcard team. I mean, th- there's a huge scale for yep. how for the expectations for this team. And like Petey said, the division has something to do with it as well. Yeah, it really teams. does. Yes, it really does. Yeah. So you put this team in the in the Metro division, they're they're not going to be in the top five. Nope. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, so we're going to dive into all that tomorrow. Really realistic expectations for the Coyotes, realistic expectations for Logan Cooley. I know we've been banging the Cooley for Calder drum, but we'll really, you know, dive into it. Um, talk about the expectations for the core of the team and what a best and worst case scenario for the Coyotes this season is going to look like. All of that will be tomorrow. We'll also do our final line predictions, which just want to say the receipts are there the july show that logan cooley committed to the coyotes we did our lines and it was very 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 close to what the opening yes. night we might be smart we might be onto huh. something here. i remember bear said oh you guys have no idea <laughs> opportunity to do it again uh, and then look what happened yep. oh, alex kerfoot hmm. boop Anyway, Crazy. we'll get to that tomorrow. Yeah, that'll that'll all be tomorrow. Um, but in the meantime, you can go and read Craig's article that's up at gophnx.com right now. The 10 questions facing the Coyotes this season kind of starts to dive into those topics. So that's up right now at gophnx.com. You can read that. And if you're a diehard, you can go read the first prospect report of the season as well. Written by Lee Stebniak. Yes, <laughs> Thank Basically. you, Lee, our new PHNX correspondent, <laughs> Lee Stebniak. Um, but yeah, just a, what an exciting time. Really excited to dive into our full Coyotes preview on tomorrow's show. Um, but in the meantime, you know, hockey's back. I think we're all really excited about that. But the NFL is in full swing. It's been a, an interesting season for sure. And if you're looking to spice it up, maybe you're a Cardinals fan losing interest. Maybe you just want to add a little excitement to watching the NFL. PHNX has a weekly pickaxe and NFL survivor contest through Splash Sports, and it's open for everyone to participate to win real money. It's super, super easy to get involved. It's just $5 entry. Um, so, you know, not not a big commitment. We'll be running weekly cont- contests all year, and you can also run your own contest. So you can head to splashboards.com slash phnx to join in we'll have different contests coming out so we're stoked to compete with and against you all be sure to click our link in the description all right well uh it's a good thing our struggle case snack cart got restocked before the first game of the season because you know pd and i are going to be all over the snack cart during our live watch along this friday oh, yeah. don't have to yell at max anymore we don't have to yell at max thank you max. Um, jacob wanted me to remind you that the grease from the chips comes off on the mic so i know you keep your hands up <laughs> Thus the rubber gloves. If you know, you know. Um, Yeah, Circle K, the Circle K Brandon snacks, like I would say are better than any other snacks. Like I'm not even just saying that. The chips specifically are so good. Um, Sweet mesquite chips? Yeah, the mesquite. Mm. I love the salt and pepper ones. Those are kind of like an underrated sneaky favorite. Um, So when you stop at Circle K, go inside, check out the snacks, check out the Polar Pops, and join the Inner Circle if you haven't already 
through his new free membership program that saves you 25 cents per gallon on your first five Phillips. You can join the inner circle for free by downloading the Circle K app today. Terms and conditions apply at participating locations. Visit circlek.com for details. Anything else before we get out of here? Mm, that was Hockey's a, good, that was a good show. Yeah, hockey is back. I'm ready. Hockey is back. Time to hit the road. They need a break. <laughs> Jacob has been I've been non-stop. sitting in this chair since 9.15. Yeah. And he's going to keep sitting in that chair till about 4 o'clock today. Maybe yep. 4.30. Work, work, work. Yeah. Shout out Jacob, by the way. Thanks, Jacob. Um, yeah. Thanks, Jacob, underscore for producing. Four. Is it yeah. underscore Jacob four? Just, underscore. Is it underscore? Franklin 4. Okay. Yeah. Um, thank you again to Megan Angley for joining us. Mm-hmm. Really, really knowledgeable. And um, DNVR will have a pre and post game show tonight. So while we await the Coyotes to open this Friday, you can support our friends yeah. over at DNVR. Jump watch. on, say hi to Megan. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, Rudo, we really AJ, Eric. Yeah, they're playing in LA tonight against the overrated Kings. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy um, go, go Lanch even though they're in the same division as the Coyotes I, I just can't I mean they're not the Coyotes and Colorado Kings. are not in a competition no, right now that is so. a fair statement <laughs> so fair statement yeah, yeah. Um, well like we mentioned we'll be back live at 11 tomorrow for our full Coyotes season preview <laughs> we'll get into all of that um, so tune in for that and be sure to subscribe to the PHNX Sports YouTube channel so you never miss when we go live and you never miss all of our extra content that we put up on YouTube as well. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at S. Peters Hockey, at Leah Merrill, at Craig S. Morgan, at Jacob underscore Franklin Four, and the show at PHNX underscore Coyotes. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts as well if you prefer to listen on audio and your drive, your walk, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, it's going to it's gonna be a great week, everyone. Craig's hitting the road and um, right back, right back in it. Let's so, go. Can't wait. LFG, as we say. 82 games on the punch card. And last but not <laughs> least, go D-backs. D-backs are a wagon. Go get your wagon shirt. phnxlocker.com. I'm rocking mine. Check out PHNX D-backs pre and post game show tonight as well. But everybody, thank you so much for being here. Throw us a like on this video before you head out. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday and we'll see everybody tomorrow for our season preview. Bye. <laughs>